That recliner almost chopped my mate's finger off. This is what our killer looks like. Tired. Everyone has been affected in one way or another by this terrible tomato onslaught. There was a, a standing lamp in this room. What happened to it? Attack of the Killer Objects! Hi! Welcome to Attack of the Killer Objects! I'm your host, Anastasia, and my guest with me today is Kate, my co-host from my other other podcast what in the wide world of cinema hi kate hello thanks for coming to help me with my second podcast (laughs) it is an honor and a pleasure thank you um the reason guys that i've been mia for about two months on this podcast is because i was launching the other pod and um I realized I was crazy to be juggling three with uh, Al Morgan back on Harvest Reality. So I basically just took a little hiatus on the this and Harvest Reality just so I could um, not be covered in hives from panic attacks. <laughs> uh, yeah, but don't worry. I've got my shit together and there will be content pumping out soon. Especially after Morgan's wedding is over. So, guys, today we're doing something a little different. Today we are doing a TV show that in its entirety is about as long as a movie. Because every episode is what, like 10 minutes tops? I think the longest one was maybe like 16 minutes, 18 minutes. Yeah, they're not long. There's what, six episodes, eight episodes? Do you remember? I'm pretty sure it was eight. Unfortunately, I had to cancel my Shutter uh, free trial, so I didn't get a chance to rewatch it, but I'm pretty sure it was eight. You watched it once. That's all you need to do. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Okay, so we're doing Dead Wax, which is a Shutter original, and it was meant to be exactly what it is a short series that in all is about as long as a film i don't know why they decided to cut it up like that and not just make it a movie but it's what they did and since it is only movie length where we decided it was worth covering plus it's about killer vinyl and i don't mean the uncomfortable bench at a restaurant i mean (laughs) killer records it's a killer record film I, I own a couple killer records, I won't I won't lie. <laughs> Kate also happens to be a um record collector. Yeah, I'm she, not quite an aficionado, more of a collector. <laughs> yeah. You're um you're not this woman, the main character of the series, who is literally like a vinyl hunter. She knows how to find rare records, not always legally. <laughs> I, She's really good at it, though. Like, there's a couple that I want to know if I could hit her up to be like, hey, do you know if this still exists? Yeah, man. Like, if she was a real person and not just an actress, I would have questions for her, for sure. (laughs) But let's get into it. So episode one, I'm not sure exactly how long the episode is. I don't remember because 
I wrote down all the notes for these mm, about a month ago. It took us a little while to get here because Kate's internet shit the bed. <laughs> Thank you, Rogers. Yes, uh, Canadian company that I've never experienced other than having your calls basically drop and freeze. <laughs> yeah, that's that's basically it all the time. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That's fair. Without further ado, episode one. Within the first probably 60 seconds, within the first minute or so, um, we meet our first victim. We don't know his name, but he's a man who, uh, given what you know about it going in, you're like, oh, this probably isn't good. But he's got a really nice setup, um, and he's just on his couch. He's he's put his cans on, you know, so he can get maximum listenability, and the record begins playing. And the next thing we know, this man is drier than a muscadet. Which is a wine joke if you're into wine. That is considered to be the driest wine um, in the world. So <laughs> it's drier than my grandma after we put her to rest. Yeah, um, I mean for real though, the man looks like if you touch him, he will turn to dust. That is how it, it'll. If you breathe around him, you're just gonna like just. It's like doing a cinnamon challenge. Dust in the wind. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> He's, uh, he's real dead. Like, super dead. This record sucked the every ounce of moisture out of him. <laughs> and his life. All of it. It's great. <laughs> yeah. Ooh, good sound effect. Thank you. <laughs> so, immediately after that, we are introduced to our main character, whose name is Etta. I don't know if that's a nod to Etta James, but I like to think it is. She's played by the uh, enigmatic Hannah Gross, who I've seen in a few other things. I believe she's in the first season of Netflix's Mindhunter. Oh, that's why I recognized her. Yeah, she plays Jonathan Groff's girlfriend. Right. Okay. Yes. I, I didn't do too many deep dives while I was watching. I was kind of more just watching because I was like, oh, what's, what's this record going to do? That knowledge is completely off the top of my head. Like, I just happen to know that she's in that. <laughs> you are, to be fair, a walking encyclopedia of movie and pop culture trivia. A little bit. I mean, like, I try not to brag, but sometimes it comes out, like, savant style. Um, oh, yeah. And, you know, whatever. I, I, I embrace it. So anyway, here's what we find out about our girl, Etta. For one, she has a girlfriend who kind of is her girl Friday, but literally not exactly because she doesn't come along on things. She just like stays and does research behind because she's got a real job. Not that Etta's job isn't real. It's just... Uh... She probably doesn't pay taxes. I'm going to bet she doesn't pay taxes. Yeah, and, and under the table. Yeah, because especially considering some of it's literally thievery. Mm-hmm. Uh, as we'll see a little bit later, but she will break into someone's house if they have a rare record that she needs. With little to no qualms about it. Personally, I don't blame her. <laughs> um, as someone who has, like, collector things that are dear to my heart, if someone broke in, I'd be liable to stab them for it. <laughs> oh, oh, don't get me wrong. Me too. There's a reason we keep a machete in the house. (laughs) Uh, So she's got a new uh, thing to track, new fancy record. And 
Lana, which is her girlfriend's name, just keeps talking about how she wants, she's definitely trying to have like a let's get married conversation. But Edna is dodging that uh, left and right. I think she just has cold feet because she does seem to really love her girlfriend. Um, anyway, so then we find her outside of someone's house late at night. <laughs> And she's got this high-tech piece of gear that I don't think is real. I but hope we'll, it's not. I hope it's not. But basically, she knows, she gets, she's a friend who makes these for her. And they tune it to a certain frequency that can basically, like, null and void um, people's alarms in their houses. As well as, like, um, fucking with police radios and uh, cell signals it seems like it seems like it can do a lot of things that i don't think just one piece of equipment could do through frequency <laughs> yeah it feels like you'd need a backpack of stuff to do all that not just yeah. one item yeah exactly she disables the security system with this piece of gear that i just described and just like climb oh one of the windows was unlocked or whatever so she just kind of like climbs through <laughs> And just, um, just casually, why not, you know? Yeah, she just casually cap burglars her way in and starts looking through this man's vinyl collection that is clearly, like, hundreds of records. But, uh, you know, luckily for her, it takes her just a second to find exactly where it is. Maybe he had him in alphabetical order. For her sake, I guess we're hoping so. She grabs it, and she's, like, slipping out just as the homeowner walks in the room. He doesn't see her face, but he knows that someone stole something from him. Yeah, he sees, like, the tail end of her boot, essentially. (laughs) Yeah. Also, she drops and breaks her little device, so that's cool for her. Meanwhile, back at the home of our uh, dust-in-the-wind fellow, um, (laughs) two investigators are, like, trying to figure out how the hell he's dead like how could uh, what kind of like death ray was used on him because clearly this isn't a normal death (laughs) right they're looking around and they're like the fuck how that yeah like he looks basically like like a sculpture or a plaster cast of a human being or a mummy like he's yeah like how long has this guy been dead what i saw him last week what the fuck's going on yeah what the fuck this is like not natural (laughs) if if it is holy crap can i get the name of your dehumidifier man more like let's call up like leading scientists because we're about to make some breakthroughs here yeah like but yeah bring back mummy spices again (laughs) (laughs) right len perry is the unlucky fellow who gets to like handle this crime scene so he tries his best not fuck up the body (laughs) very fragile body he takes the headphones off and the whole head falls off. <laughs> it, it just boom. And yep. I'm pretty sure like crumbles in the dust in his lap. Ah, yeah, it's not completely crumbly, but yeah. Um... <laughs> crumbly enough that you're like, oh, that's how that cookie does it. Yeah, this is not structurally sound. Awesome. So, but then he kind of walks over and notices that the turntable, which is a red record, by the way. I love colored vinyl. (laughs) Oh, same. So anyway, it's a red record and it's still playing. It's like still spinning on the turntable. So because he's, you know, curious, he puts on the headphones. Well, he puts them on to, to like one of his ears. 
And luckily for him, his partner distracts him within seconds and he takes it off. So he only heard a couple of seconds of this mysterious record. But he's feeling effects from that pretty quickly. It's like smoke and meth. It only takes once. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, basically, when his partner like gets his attention, he's like, stop lollygagging, you know? <laughs> yeah. And, you know, he's like, um... I'm not. This seems pertinent to the case, but whatever. And he does what he's told, and he bags up everything that he can. Because, you know, he's, like, crime scene. He's not a detective. He's, like, a crime scene investigator. He's crime scene bitch. <laughs> yeah, basically, from the way his partner treats him. They're not that um, bitch work, essentially. Like, you file the paper. I'm gonna yeah. get coffee. Yeah. So, anyway, so he bags up the record, and they get on their merry way. Um, Then we see Etta in a record shop and she's got some um sunglasses that i kind of want yeah i have i have a sunglasses problem i like them a lot and always have multiple pairs anyway um she's thumbing through stuff but she's she's kind of just waiting around um for the shop owner because she needs to ask him you know she's he's like one of her contacts so he gives him the record <laughs> that she broke in for uh, on behalf of her latest client. And apparently this is how she gets involved with the keys to the cursed record, which they are key one and a copy of a record called key number three. So um, it seems to be in mint condition except for these weird like Blair Witch looking markings in the dead wax which is where the title comes from now Kate would you like to describe to our audience what the dead wax is yeah because I actually didn't know it was a real thing I <laughs> thought it was a fun little title for the or the TV show not the movie and uh, it's actually just the little space in between the recording and the end of the record or whatever yeah. where, where yeah. the label usually goes um yes that little spot is not big enough to actually carry music so it just kind of exists there uh yeah so that's the dead wax yeah um, and i've still been meaning to go look at a vinyl to see if they actually do write stuff in it but i, I haven't I'm, I'm a lazy person I think some people might, um, especially like local bands that do limited prints and stuff, um, but definitely not like major ones that you buy at like a big box shop, I imagine. I'm going to have to see if, uh, dropping a plug here, Problem Patterns does in their new album, Blouse Club, coming out October 27th. <laughs> Uh, yes, we yeah. may, maybe we can get the gang or at least your sister-in-law on the show, uh, yeah. our other show. Oh, yeah, because oh, yeah. she's, she's the queen of weird movies. And it would also be a cross-plug for the band. That's true, too. So, yeah, we'll, just, we'll have to set that up. We will. Mm-hmm. Anywhere. Anyways. So... We follow Etta to her mysterious, well, not super mysterious, but her rich-ass client, Ray Decker. He's got a nice fucking house, and he, you know, she gives him the record that she's, you know, procured for him. And he's like, hey, you want to listen? And she's like, fuck yeah, I want to listen to every record that's ever been made eventually. She's 
She's heavy into it. <laughs> She's it, she lives and breathes final record collecting. She does in a way that seems a little bit detrimental to her personal life, honestly. Quite literally. Like I, yeah. I like vinyl, but I don't think I like vinyl that much. Yeah, I think few people like vinyl quite as much as she does. Yeah. Um, like her and the people that she finds these for are the most serious collectors maybe ever. Um, but anyway, so they start chilling and like listening to this record and, you know, they're vibing and he has so many records, but, uh, he's very excited when he sees that she found key number three. He tells her that honestly, I didn't think you would ever find this. I thought it was a lark. And then he, then he basically kind of explains to her that, you know, I hear that one of these records that was pressed by this, we'll get into the guy's name later, I have it written down, but the guy who pressed these records basically, like, only pressed four and you need all of them for the full experience, weird things with sound, supposed to be this, like, magical sound that no one's heard before or whatever, and it's this, you know holy grail of record collecting essentially yeah like it's the ecstasy of mother Teresa, basically yeah she's like we gotta find this and he's like hey man you know like i'll pay big money if you find it or whatever but like i don't really expect you to find it anyone can find it i can find it and i gotta hear it i've gotta hear it (laughs) so die trying So anyway, she's on the hunt for the record now. This is her new project, she's decided. Meanwhile, back with uh, Perry and Burnett, they're pouring over the evidence and trying to figure out what the fuck happened to this dude. And Burnett's an asshole. He's given Perry a hard time about his work and everything. And hardcore is like, remember, you're not a detective. Like, he's he's such a dick, honestly. He's really rubbing it in that, like, he got the promotion before him or some shit, like... Yeah, it's... Yeah, and then he sends Perry to go get coffee while he does the paperwork, like, because he's the big boy or whatever. It's really... It's really demeaning. Perry's annoyed, but, you know, like, does it anyway. And then he starts having, like, freak-out hallucinations from listening to the couple of seconds to the album. Poor guy. And we then we cl- we cut to Etta and Lana on a phone call. And Lana's like, look, I haven't been able to find hardly anything on these Litton records, by the way. Litton is the guy's last name who pressed these. She's I like, think it was Lydon. <laughs> yeah, it's Litton. The yeah. Litton Lacquer is what they refer to it as. Right. Litton Lacquer. Right, right, right. I was yeah. trying to remember what it was. She said that all that she could find was an ancient, like, GeoCities website from 2003 mentioning it. Like, that's all she could find on this fucking record. But, uh, yeah, right? She's like, uh, the Litton Lack, this is a direct quote, the Litton Lacquer, an unfinished pressing that Lyle Litton was allegedly in the process of mastering to acetate lacquer when he died of a heart attack in 1987. Um, it's the you know part of the lore is a lot of people think he literally died in the middle of like doing the recording pressing so part of the lore is can you hear his death rattle so it's some morbid shit of course because this is a horror uh podcast (laughs) 
and we love all that yummy horror. Yeah, we do. Yummy, yummy, yummy. Mm. <laughs> and in my tummy. <laughs> anyway, anyway, Lytton was a household name in the 80s because he pressed a lot of records, shockingly. Uh-huh. Anyway, so underneath this little like blurb on the GeoCity site, it also gave, left a warning that said, under no circumstances should anyone actually play it. We're back at the police, the police station again, and like I said, Perry's in the middle of a full-on, like, feels like a bad, bad-acid trip, almost. He feels like he's going in and out of existence. And then Burnett makes a very fatal error in deciding to listen to one of the evidences. This record has odd markings on it, just like the other one that uh, Etta found. And um, this is, I, I'm not sure if this is one or three. No, three is the one that Etta has. So this is either one or two. Um, but Perry, like I was saying, in this, like he's like phasing in and out of reality almost. He can barely pour co- the coffee. He falls over at one point. You can tell he's having what looks almost like a migraine with the fuzziness. And, like, the next thing he knows, he's, like, fucking passed out. Then he, like, comes to, and he thinks he sees a dark figure, and then he passes out again. And then we're back to Lana and Etta. And Lana's like, look, do you really have to go on this, like, wild goose chase for a record that probably doesn't exist? And, of course, Etta's like, fuck yeah. And, you know, they have a a serious marriage talk, sort of, that Etta's still dancing around. And, you know, her girlfriend's basically like, like, you won't even have to work. And then Etta's like, I told you, if we do this, like, I'm not going to be a housewife. So, uh, yeah, we can tell that's where that's at. She wants to continue to do her thing. And I feel like it's unjustified to ask her to stop doing her her one obsession in life yeah now she could maybe tone it down a little maybe stop breaking into people's homes yeah like maybe don't get arrested yeah you know perry is still pretty not okay but when he goes back to the room to check on his partner and bring back the coffee his partner did a lot worse than our such dry man his partner is in chunks all over the office He's covered the ceiling, up, down, the walls. Like, evidence is just fucked at this point, too. Oh, yeah. It's it's bad. Yeah, he, like, spontaneously human combusted. Without catching on fire. Yeah. It's like a black hole inverted inside of him. (laughs) And then he just went... Like dynamite. Yeah, like mm. I can't even think of a scene in a movie that I could like compare it to right off the top of my head right now. Um, maybe the head of the the one guy in Cronenberg's scanners. Oh, you know what? Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Or the shotgun to the head that's famously in the original Maniac. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Which that's Tom Savini's handiwork. Oh, I did not know that. Fun fact. Anyway, so back to this. So that's uh that's the first episode of Dead Wax. 
Bum bum bum. <laughs> bum, bum, bum. Bum, 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 bum. You know, you get you get a lot going on there at first, you know? It's a bit. But let's dive into to the second episode now. Perry is only getting progressively worse. He is still seeing shadow people, he's hearing voices, and uh well, you know, he also lost his partner. And uh, you know, that was a lot. That was a lot. Yeah, pretty sure he's on a paid leave right now. <laughs> yeah. They want him to, like, you know, chill the fuck out. Yeah, like, maybe smoke a joint, you know, like, relax a little bit, try to not yeah. think about it. Something, you know, mm, you know. Maybe listen to a record. Yeah, maybe not ever listen to a record again <laughs> if you're him. Meanwhile, yeah, meanwhile, Edna catches wind of an ultra-rare record um, and begins looking for it because, you know, that's what she does. And, uh, like I said, Lana, her, let's just call her fiancé at this point, is doing the research in for her on the other end, you know, giving her calls, catching her up. And there we are. And, by the way, all of these episodes are just part one, part two, part three. And I, I, I guess they're doing this because they don't want to spoil anything, if I had to take a wild guess. For the most part, yeah. Yeah. So, Perry is being questioned by, I assume, an internal affairs officer named uh, Detective Rhodes. Because they're trying to figure out what the fuck could possibly have happened to Burnett. <laughs> what the fuck did Perry do? Yeah, and, and yeah, exactly. Like, I know he was kind of a dick, but like, damn, dude. Well, Burnett is is the uh, the dick. Right. Shit, sorry. My bad. <laughs> You're fine. Yeah, it's like, what the fuck happened to Burnett? Did Perry have something to do with it? Blada, blada. But there's nothing on the station's security cameras. It, it, it broke conveniently. Yeah, and it's like, hmm. And it's like, well, Perry, you were the only one there. And then a, a colleague is like, so we don't have any of that evidence, which Perry was not aware of. The, ev- the evidence just walked off immediately. He's kind of feeling fucked now. A <laughs> little bit. A little bit just like. a little bit. Mm, yeah. Meanwhile, Etta visits her dude that makes the gadgets for her, who is, uh, you know, he's apparently a beetle farmer and an audiophile named Ian Ullman, played by Ted Raimi. The one and only. Sam's brother. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. I do love Ted. He's a great character actor. Oh yeah. He's great at being creepy. <laughs> I still uh, wish he lived in my hometown because he he did live there for a very short period of time. Ah. Oh, yeah, you'd see him walking around town and would be like, "Holy fuck, it's Ted Raimi." Um, we have something similar. It's not my town, but a couple of towns over, about twenty minutes away. The member, the member of the Bare Naked Ladies that left the band, the Pretty like sure Steve Page is his name. Yes, he lives yeah. about twenty minutes from me. Well, uh, next time I come visit you, I might have to go uh, lurking real hard. <laughs> <laughs> um, he buys his Christmas trees from where my brother, basically brother-in-law, works during Christmas time. Well, shit. Yeah, that's pretty cool. Yeah, fun fact. Um, not to blow up your spot, Steve. Sorry. <laughs> Sorry, I think, man. I think it'll be okay. I don't think anyone's like, I don't think it's like a secret that he lives in central New York. Anyway, 
So Allman's talking to Lana, and well, he's talking about Lana to Etta, and he calls Lana the old ball and chain, which Etta's like, let's talk about something else. <laughs> She's like, come on, uh, what do you know about the Lyle? What what do you know about Lyle Litton? You know, what do you know about the Litton lacquer? She's like, all over it. And he's like, look, I met him once. I don't know a lot about him. So she's like, okay, well, why did he press three of these records? And Ullman gives her this kind of lecture. And she's not very amused by it. But eventually he explains that... The key series was different because Lytton was heavy into some, like, woo-woo magic bullshit. He was, and he was also into quote-unquote fringe science and got really into audio. And those recordings are supposed to be outside of the frequency that humans can hear. Which, okay. Yeah. (laughs) Where's so this it, go? Is he making music for dogs? Like, <laughs> Yeah, right? Okay, well, you know, have you heard it? And he's like, well, anyone who's heard it is either dead or crazy, so no. <laughs> and so she's unbothered by this. She still wants to hear it. Probably because she's she- like, I'll, I'll handle an asylum. Whatever. What's a straight jacket? Like, I haven't worn one before. Honestly, I think she thinks it's just a myth. Yeah, she's just kind of like me in the sense where I'm like, I want to see if this is true. I don't care if I die. I want to know the truth. It's like me if I go into a haunted house. I don't believe in ghosts, but if a ghost attacks me, I guess that's how I'm going out. Exactly. That's why I'm always like, yeah, sure, I'll go spend the night in this weird hotel for $300. Nothing's going to happen, but oh, I got to sleep in a nice bed at least. That's you and me. Like, yeah. We could do a whole YouTube series on just being unimpressed by supposed haunted places. <laughs> we genuinely could, yeah, actually. Hmm, writing that idea down? Anyway. Yes. <laughs> Note for uh, next time? <laughs> Note for future collabs? Um, oh, yeah. Oh, <laughs> um, yeah. Anyway, he also mentions that there's a DJ who supposedly went insane after hearing part of the record. But Etta's still like, I don't care, whatever, it's bullshit. But she feels like she's kind of at a dead end here. Like, she doesn't have any more leads. But he, Ullman does give her a hand by telling her some of the code that's in the dead wax on these records. Like, what to look for, for the the second one. Yeah, like the little Blair Witch scratching. Yeah, the Blair Witch scratchings. And then we see that Perry's still in custody, still being questioned. And they're like watching him really careful on the surveillance camera. Because basically, they're convinced that he killed his partner. They're not sure what the fuck he did, but you know, they're watching him very carefully. But then they're informed that what the, the little bit of footage that the security camera did catch is scrambled worse than a porn cable channel that you weren't subscribed to in the 90s. <laughs> Through a waterlogged TV. Like, yeah, you can't make heads fucked. or tails. Yeah, exactly. They're like, okay. Meanwhile, Ed is back on the phone to Lana, and she learns that 
someone at the LAPD entered a Litton uh, pressing into the evidence database. So she's like, okay, I got to find one of these cops to talk to. <laughs> I don't know how I'm going to get this from them, but I need this. I don't think that one's going to auction, so she's definitely going to have to break it and steal from the evidence locker. Which is honestly a really bad idea. <laughs> but anyway, um, she she doesn't care. No. no. She's in it for the prize. Yeah. Uh, but then she also finds out that it has disappeared from the evidence logs. So she's like, wonderful. But she finds out uh, the name and address of our Dust in the Wind fellow. <laughs> uh, and that, that, that he's the one who had the record originally. So she decides to hop on that lead. The next time we're rejoined with Perry, he's like in the fetal position in the corner of the interrogation room. The lights are shut off, and I'm not sure why they're doing that. Maybe they're just trying to like psychologically shake him but he's a cop i mean you know also what's actually happening in his brain is way scarier than whatever they're gonna try to do yeah like they're like oh maybe maybe he just needs the lights off he looks like he's got a headache but really he's like oh my god they're locking me in attention jesus christ (laughs) so he sent home uh yeah i think this is where he's like on paid leave or whatever and they, they just want him to get some rest and get back to you know get down They just want him to get rest and get out of the station so they can kind of figure out what the fuck happened to his partner. Yeah, figure out how he was turned basically into spaghetti sauce. Yeah, exactly. So Perry passes out again, and we see Rhodes watching the security footage that has Perry passing out, just to clarify. And, uh... We see Burnett doing his logging the evidence and everything. And then off camera, you hear a blood curdling scream. And then the rest of the footage is super scrambled. And it only, they only managed to restore the picture of Perry just like getting up only to discover Burnett. What's creepy though, is that the station's cameras don't record sound. They're just CCTV. So how did that scream get there? Boom, boom, boom. End of episode two. (laughs) That is weird. But nothing, nothing is normal about what's happening in this show. Yeah, I mean, like, record vinyls killing people. Coal nine yards. Ted Raimi. Right. Ted Raimi and his creepy demeanor. Even when he's a good guy, I'm still... (laughs) Yeah, <laughs> wary of him in, when he's in something, which is just a testament to, uh, to his vibe. I'm all about it, you know? Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Part three. So, Lana is doing a little digging for her lady, trying to find more about the Litton Matrix code. And this is where we find out that, um, well, we're about to find out a little more about Edna's past. This le- she's basically led to Perry. And when she knocks on the door, she's like, oh, fuck. Perry is her ex-boyfriend. Not only is he her ex-boyfriend, but she cheated on him with a woman, which makes sense because she's at least bi, given that she's with a woman now. 
But the real kicker is that after her and that girl broke up, he married the chick that she cheated on him with. And he took her last name. Yes, which is why she didn't recognize that it was him. And she's also dead. So he's a widower. So that's a lot all at once, right? (laughs) Anyway. It's just like an, oh, oh, wow. What a connection. What a huge connection, indeed. So, basically, he's so freaked out, though, that he's like, hey, um, I know, I'm sure you're probably mixed up in this because of your record collecting or whatever, but I can't be alone. Like, I'm afraid to be alone. Can you stay with me? She's a little hesitant, but she's like, fine. Oh, okay. Like, clearly it wasn't a horrible breakup because she's willing to help him out here. Also... I mean, she's the reason they broke up. She cheated on him. And then he ended up with the person she cheated with, uh, for better or for worse here. So, I don't know. Maybe you should be thanking her briefly. Yeah. I don't know. It seems, it seems like enough time has passed that it, that they're over it. Yeah, like, his wife has had time to die. They've been broken up for so long kind of thing. Yeah, but... Yeah, like I like everything that's been happening to him since listening to the record. Like parts of his body are phasing in and out. He's hearing things. He's just not okay. I think I did skip over that. Etta did go to the mem- the mummified Dustin the Wind Man's home, and she slipped into his house through the crime scene tape, steals a keychain because it's something that her girlfriend will like. And then gets a good look at all his sweet equipment and then finds a flash drive that looks like it's worth taking. But it turns out to be an encrypted file, but not a huge one. She knows a guy or she thinks that maybe Lana could crack it. So anyway, she takes that those things from his house. By the way, I should note, not all of these episodes are exactly in consequential order. We will get to one very soon that takes place like 20 years before this. But we'll get to that in a minute. Lana's like, yeah, I'll have a look at it. I can maybe decode it, crack it, break it open. She's not sure that she can, but, you know, she's, she says she'll try. But this, this is when she finds out that the detective, the not detective, I'm sorry, <laughs> that Perry is her ex and that he's involved with all this. She's staying with him, trying to make him feel better. It's it's not a great situation for him. He's so freaked out. Anyway, she's like, Etta's tossing and turning, just scrolling on her phone, doing some doom scrolling. And then we hear like a low buzz, kind of like if a fly flies into one of those electric fly killers. You know what I'm talking about? Oh yeah, I could watch this all day. Yeah, it sounds the buzzing that ha- that she hears is kind of like that, and then lights start flickering, and she hears some like banging from Perry's room upstairs. So she goes up, and she's not really expecting to find what she does, which is he's on the floor screaming and like flickering in and out of existence. <laughs> right before her and yeah we just still hear buzzing and almost like a skipping of a record sound and she walks over to him and gives him a hug and it brings him back to reality for a second there all the lights shut off the buzzing stops and perry stops flickering now outside perry's house detective Rhodes is spying on him they're keeping an eye on him they didn't just release him you know what i mean they I mean, I, I really don't blame them. It It is a murder investigation, technically. It, yeah, you know, it looks highly I, sus. 
I keep I'd be keeping tabs too. I'd be like, all right, he can say he was going crazy, but like, is he really going crazy? Yeah. So that's the end of episode three. Right. That was one of the really short ones. Yes. So now we're heading into episode four. Part four. Part. Yes. So they wake up or whatever and are hip to roads being outside. But that but the episode begins, like I was saying a minute ago, with a flashback to the nineties. Nineteen ninety seven, to be precise. Uh, that was a great year. It was a great year. I was five. <laughs> I was nine. And we're, we're at good ages. <laughs> yes. Well I vividly I okay, so Full disclosure, um, as a child, I bled, ate, breathed music. I listened to the radio every chance I got. When I came home, the radio was on. Over TV. I would sleep with the radio on. I listened to the radio all the time. I think that's why I got so into podcasts, because I just obsessively listen to things. More so than I watch... Well, I won't say that. That's not true. Because I watch a lot of horror movies. But it's more so than I watch TV shows, for sure. I watch a lot of movies and listen to a lot of podcasts. I don't watch a lot of TV shows. I'm in the same boat. (laughs) It is what it is. But, um, yeah, I I obsessively listen to the radio as a child. So 1997 was, like, it was a great year for alternative rock. And really interesting like one-off pop songs by star like bands you never heard from again (laughs) yes oh yeah like 97 and 98 were both great for that for whatever reason anyway so the host he's a radio host he's like in college it's like this is like one of those college radio stations you know and you know this because it's 97 and he's being allowed to play whatever he wants and he's playing vinyl now Sadly, he is telling the audience that they're getting rid of their massive vinyl collection and they're fully going over to CD. Boo. Boo, indeed. And he, it's a grim day for him. He's not thrilled about it. So he's playing whatever the fuck he wants and memoriam to the record collection. And he's having people call in and ask about records and stuff. I would have loved to have done this in college. Right. But... Although my college did have a radio station, it was mainstream. Like, they only played hits, basically, and you had a format that you had to follow. You weren't allowed to just play whatever. And it was a Christian radio station because I went to one of those damn Christian colleges. Right. Uh, Every college I've attended, I'm pretty sure they had their own radio station that played locally. Uh, The only one I can think of, though, is the one from my hometown. And I'm pretty sure whoever's hosting is allowed to play what they want. That's cool if it's like, and that also means that they're not, like, owned by Clear Channel or one of the other competitive people that have just bought up all the radio stations yeah i'm actually i have to look into that because it's been a while since i've taken a lesson because i mostly just listen to my own stuff now (laughs) yeah we're in the age where you can cure you can curate your own endless spotify playlist or wherever deezer wherever you listen to and you don't really need the radio spotify killed the radio star not video (laughs) (laughs) uh a lot Yay. of things killed the radio star over yeah. the last 50 or so years. I, yeah, it's pretty safe to say. Yeah, it's been a lot. 
you know. But anyway, back to back to the show. So he's clearly almost as intensely in love with records as Etta, but you know, not quite. So he's going through playing good things and you know whatever, just trying to trying to g- give a good send off to the records. And we get random call-ins and some person calls about some record wondering if his version is the original and he talks about the dead wax and how if it's a pressing that's actually one of the first pressings that's worth something it'll have something written in the dead wax i don't remember exactly what it was but anyway the guy the caller looks and is like oh no that's not there and then he's like sorry then it's not one of the original pressings and it's worth far less and he's like oh but you know whatever I, i'd be the caller on the phone going like i think it might oh it's not oh sure. yeah <laughs> um so the guy's name by the way the dj his name's tuck weston and i can't just say i really hope i see this actor in more things first yeah. of all I- First of all, I really like his voice. And second of all, I've always been a sucker for a redhead. Male or female. That was right, too. (laughs) Yeah, I'm like, hey, buddy. How's it going? (laughs) That's the reason I was remembering him with darker hair. (laughs) (laughs) It's like an Auburn. Yeah. But I still consider that redhead. It's close. And he's covered in freckles. Like, it's all the hallmarks. He's a red. Yeah. There's oh. shades of red. Anyway, <laughs> anyway, not the point. He takes a bunch more calls. It's kind of just a montage of calls, music, blah, blah. We get a caller who's asking about the Linton lacquer. And he's like, I don't really know much about it. I know that Linton pressed a bunch of stuff and, you know, blah, blah, blah. What we already know, basically. But then after he's closing up, he gets a call. And this caller's like, I have the Linton lacquer. And I'd like to invite you to come listen to it. And he's like, I mean, I don't know. And you then probably she, don't have it. And then she's like, I'll send a car. It'll be there in five minutes. And he's like, whoa. And good to her word, a car is sent. So he's like, curiosity, you know, he goes. And, uh, oh boy, it's, it's an interesting it's an interesting situation. It's uh, definitely makes you think of Bang Bus a little bit. Oh, oh yeah, kind of. But I yeah. mean, like, it's that's not gonna happen. He is a no. kind. No, <laughs> it's more like bang bus with a scary ending, or fake taxi. Yes, yes. <laughs> um. So anyway, he's. <laughs> this happens. Like I said, he's he's gone through everything, and um, just to prove before he agrees to get in the car, actually, he does ask her because he's skeptical. He's like, "All right, well, what's in the wax? You know, what's in the dead wax?" And she describes exactly what's in the dead wax of this legendary record. So he's like, "Fuck, smiley chance." So he's like, "All right, you know," he gets in the car and everything, and uh, when he gets there, the collectors. Are, like, the house is very austere. It's very, it's very minimalist. It's very clinical, almost. It feels like a museum that you shouldn't touch anything in. It, it definitely gave me the feeling of, like, oh, they're putting tarp down. I'm not yeah. leaving alive. Yeah, right? So they hand him, um, they ask him a riddle, and he answers it, and then they hand him a pair of headphones. And, yeah, he puts them on, and the buyer, the lady who called him, who's, like, this gorgeous Asian woman, very stiffly walks over and puts the needle on the record. 
and he gets about two seconds in before he rips uh, the headphones off his ears. I I can't do this. As cool as it sounds, like if you guys aren't doing it, I I I, I it's kind of like trying to find out if someone's a cop or not. Like, oh, you guys aren't doing drugs too? Uh, that kind of kills the mood, though. Yeah, it's also like maybe he's st- because of how weird everything's been. He's starting to kind of believe what's happening, and he's like, uh, maybe I don't want to die. Yeah, maybe I don't feel like eating my own face because of becoming insane because of a record. <laughs> yeah, maybe I don't want to know what happens as it turns out. Yeah, like I, I'm actually not that curious. Yeah, it's like so, it's like doing anal for the first time. Yeah, as it turns out, I'm not a big fan of that. So yeah. he gets, yeah. So he gets back in the car, and immediately we see the same things that we've been seeing in Perry. His vision's blurred. He's having auditory hallucinations. Everything feels much louder than it really is. Old Tuck's not having a great time he clearly regrets that he went at all he would really like to get off mr bonds's wild ride yeah he really would he's not into it and that's basically how that episode ends so that's the end of episode four and we will move on to episode five things are heating up we're getting close to the bottom of the barrel of this little series Literally a little series. It, it's it's so tiny. It's so tiny and cute. It's it's like a movie. Yeah, it's it's like a little seven inch final. Oh, that's so perfect. That's a perfect yeah. example for this. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So getting back to it. <clears throat> the episode opens to what looks like one of those cabins that the evil dad would pop out of, and by the evil dad, I mean you know the deadites. Yes. <laughs> Yes. It look it looks like that kind of cabin, you know? I, I literally don't know why my brain was like, what are they called again? And just like completely blanked. <laughs> <laughs> I came I came too. I found it in my brain. Yeah. You figured it out for me. <laughs> I did. You're welcome. Um, <laughs> anyway, so it looks pretty run down. Um, <clears throat> we hear some guitar riffs and some screams and some more screams. And, and some squelching. <laughs> yeah. And then we go, we're back at Perry's and Road is still, Rhodes is still staking him out. But then he sees uh, Etta get in the car along with Perry. And he knocks on the, Rhodes knocks on the window and this man needs to sleep. He doesn't need to be going anywhere. I just gotta take him to the hospital. He's sick. And then the guy's like, well, I'm gonna follow behind you. <laughs> and she's like, like, shit. Oh, she's like, okay. You know, calls him on his, bl- okay. And then as soon as he goes back to his car, she whips out a gadget that makes his radio go so crazy that it's, you know, ear piercing. So he's like trying to cover his ears and is distracted enough for them to drive off without following them. Because he doesn't know if they went left or right. Because he's got hot coffee in his lap and his ears hurt. And he's confused. Yeah. yeah he's, uh, the, me- the minute she began sonic warfare there. Uh, <laughs> I, I he, like that too. Yeah. He spilled coffee all over himself and was, yeah, trying to not burn. Because hot coffee in your lap is not a good time. I, I did it today. <laughs> Because I'm clumsy. <laughs> See, you know, firsthand. It's not, it's not great. It's not great. Yeah. 
so anyway, um, they get Etta and Perry have like some uh, some mild chit chat, and uh, but she's like, "Hey, you seem pretty off. Did you listen to the record?" And he's like, "No." <laughs> what are you talking about? And she's like, "What happened when you listened to it?" <laughs> And he's like, you caught me. <laughs> he's like, look, I only listened for like two seconds. Literally. Brain could literally even comprehend how short of a time he actually listened to it because it was that little. Yeah. He's like, the record was still playing. I just listened to a second of it. It was just a second. And then she's like, look, I know of another guy who apparently basically listened to exactly as long as you did and still alive. I think we should go talk to him. I think he's the only person who can help us. So they're heading to see Tuck Weston, who is still alive. Pow, pow. Pow, pow. But uh, the bad news is he lives in that freaky cabin that we saw at the beginning of the episode. Um, so older Tuck Weston does not want to talk to them about this, but they're like, we already have one of them. Actually, no, we, actually we already have two of them now. Yeah. And, he's, and, and we think you have the second key. And he's like, I don't want to talk about this. I'm not giving you shit. He's very I want to speak to my lawyer. I mean, he didn't go that far. It was more just like, you don't know what you're fucking with. You need to get away from this as far as possible and leave me alone, basically. That's his whole vibe there. There's a reason he lives in a creepy cabin in the middle of the woods. Yeah. We do learn that he has a bit of a heart condition, and Tuck allows them in, and they talk for a little bit, but he's still, like, really not having it. We also see that there are records broken everywhere like i guess nothing sounds good anymore to him after that is all i can guess and so he's just been like in fits of rage breaking records and i don't mean in an olympic kind of way (laughs) i i don't know if i could live with myself not being able to listen to music anymore or not being able to listen to like anything normally again i would just be like "Mm -mm. nope it's not worth it shotgun mouth hello yeah, like, I think I could deal with being blind because I could still listen to podcasts. I'm I'm almost essentially legally blind, and yeah, it's not that bad. <laughs> yeah, and I mean, they, they, they you know, technology has come a long way. Yeah. You know, there's surgeries. Anyway, I mean, I would be really sad if I couldn't watch horror movies or play video games anymore, so. There, there's I don't want to be deaf. Yeah, I don't want to be deaf or blind i'm okay with being mute though N- not me uh I'm oh yeah that's your faster yeah. yeah oh i take and that back i take you're that kind back. of my co-host i kind of need you to oh man speaking. i'm sorry uh, I I need it. you know what i let's get rid of smell we don't need smell uh you know i think i could be okay with that the most yeah. the most i think uh, yeah i'm yeah, okay I think... with, i'm okay with it the most i guess yeah yeah if i had to lose a sense yeah I would just I would just get other people to smell things for me and be like, is that going bad? <laughs> you is know, that... I would fart in a room and be like, did anybody catch that? Was that, that stinky? And then was just that... get everyone to smell it for me. <laughs> 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 then Tuck basically figures out that Perry has listened to it and it sends him into a full panic attack. He starts breaking records and he's like telling them to get out of that get out of there and he also tells them that you know even if he did have key two it that it's useless on its own but that's because he doesn't know that they have the other two yeah he doesn't know that they've like kind of basically figured it out and that 
he, he's yeah. just holding them back essentially now. Yeah, he doesn't know how much they know. After she finds something that makes her think, she finds like a little note that makes her think that she knows that he's definitely lying about the record. But as it turns out, he doesn't have it. But using a shard of one of the broken records, he literally attacks attacks our girl Etta and Perry grabs a hammer and starts going after Tuck. And they run outside, and there's a whole scuffle, and by the end of it, Perry has bludgeoned Tuck. To be fair, Tuck was, like, on a bit of a homicidal um, bender there. Like, he was gonna kill them. Yeah, it's it's almost like, in my brain, I was like, ooh, are they competing because it's almost like dogs, where they can smell that the others listen to it, so it's like, no, I can be the only one that's listened to it, how dare you? <laughs> I think it was more like you're already in danger. You're already so close. Yeah. Like you guys don't know how bad this is because I've been living with this for years and years and years, you know? I think it's kind of like that, uh, you know, coupled with the fact that he's so far gone that this could have just been the the absolute breaking point for him. That's true, too. Yeah, he probably just finally snapped after like, what, 20 years, 22 years at this point that he's been afflicted with this (laughs) Yeah, something like that. I can't this remember. Was, this was made the... in 2018, so it was like 21 years. Yeah, give or take. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, sucks. Etta sees a patch near the rocks that looks like it's like a little stashy hole, and she digs it up and finds a suitcase, and the screen fades to black. That's the end of that episode. They're kind of leaving us on little cliffhangers now. That's that's where I was like, oh, you know how to get me. You know Ooh, how to get me. <laughs> you know how to bring me back. Oh, yeah. I'm yeah, coming. You got yeah. me, and now you're reeling me right back in. Oh. Yeah, exactly. Well, the bad news is I don't know where the hell part six has gotten off to. Oh, but sure. that's okay. Here's what I think we'll do. Because this is already, like, pretty long for an AOTKO episode. So I'm thinking we're going to leave everyone on a cliffhanger just now. Just like Dead Wax did. Just like Dead Wax did. To hear the last little bit of Dead Wax. Come back for part two of Dead Wax on AOTKO. Just maybe I might be able to do a Ted Framey impression by then so that we can have Mm -hmm. Ted Raimi on. <laughs> <laughs> that would be amazing. All right, guys. So tune in next time. And Kate, why don't you plug our other podcast for the lovely listeners? All right. We try to bring out an episode monthly. Every once in a while, we get a little bit more. But we have What in the Wide World of Cinema? And it stars... Anastasia and myself and we talk about all of the weird going on up down left right and center you name it we're all around so tune in we're on every podcast streaming platform I believe yep pretty much and we're talking weird from all genres comedy drama horror you name it if it's weird we're gonna cover it and we mean from all countries too if if it made you sit and go what the fuck? Just like the end of kids? We'll probably cover it. Yeah.
Honestly, at the end of Kids, it was more just like, damn, I'm glad I had a better childhood than that. Yeah, but isn't the last line literally in Kids just, what the fuck? And then the movie ends. Oh, God damn it. I'm going to have to rewatch it. I I know it's on our list. (laughs) I used, it is. I used to have a copy. I don't anymore for various reasons. I think I lost it in a move. And I haven't rewatched it in a few years. I don't know if that's how it ends. I I don't I want- have I have it downloaded because I was on a really big kick for Harmony Corrine for a while there. Oh, I know. And it's the one I actually haven't rewatched. I've rewatched the rest of them, but that one. Uh, and I think it's because I'm just I'm emotionally preparing myself for it. And no, look, no shade to Harmony Corrine's directing ability. But I like kids the best because Larry, who directed it, is a better director than Harmony. But Harmony wrote the screenplay. Ah. See, I just really like Julian Donkey Boy. Which we will get to on our other podcast. Yeah. World of Cinema. So, guys, if you want to hear more of Kate's lovely voice, barring the next episode, um, go listen to our other podcast. Yeah. Until then, we will see you for the conclusion of Dead Wax. And for all the fun picks of what our favorite kills are. Yes. All right. Okay, guys. Bye. Bye. Attack of the Killer Objects is edited, written, and produced by Anastasia Bird. That would be me. AOTKO theme was created by me as well with free use music and clips from the following films Killer Sofa, Attack of the Killer Tomatoes, Amityville 4 The Evil Escapes, and Rubber. The outro music is They Come at Night by Shane Ivers, courtesy of SilvermanSound.com. Our website is linktree forward slash attack of the killer objects there you can find descriptions of all of our episodes as well as our merch store we have apparel and accessories for all ages check it out and if you enjoyed today's show be sure to leave us a five-star review in the podcast app of your choice until next time